I want you to imagine for a minute that some night you're traveling and you're really in a hurry to get to where you want to go. Maybe it's been a long day at work and you just want to get home. No, you want to get to 5 o'clock Mass at St. Joe's. Wherever it is, you really just want to get home. And you're on the road, there's not a lot of people around. Let's say it's a 35 mile an hour zone and you're doing 40, maybe even pushing 50. And all of a sudden you hear this siren, right? Okay, so you pull over, officer comes up, put down your window, he has to see your registration. And you simply look him in the eye and say, officer, let he who has never sped one mile over the limit write the first ticket. It just doesn't work that way. It just, there's no logic at all in what Jesus says. I mean, it's so powerful, right? But it doesn't make any sense. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, you know, the only people who should enforce the law of Moses are those who've never broken it. So what's up with that? And why is this famous Bible passage so powerful? And if you go through it, you know, sometimes you ask people, well, what's going on here? They'll talk about forgiveness and, oh, Jesus forgave her sins. And... But the word forgiveness never turns up once. No one is ever told, certainly not the woman in the middle of the circle, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus says that in other cases plenty of times. Forgiveness is never mentioned once. What's mentioned is condemnation. Condemnation or the absence of it. And what I'd like to suggest is that the power of this scene is the power of eyeball-to-eyeball, face-to-face encounter. I wish I could say that every time my sins were forgiven, right? I go to confession all the time. I wish I could say that every time my sins were forgiven, that led to some sort of powerful change in my behavior or some conversion in heart. I mean, sometimes okay, but even then, it's often just for a while. If I were to say, what were those moments when there really was a change in my life, when my heart really changed, when there's something that I could point to, that I wasn't the same man I was before, it isn't usually something I would tie explicitly to another person forgiving me, but it would be tied to those moments of encounter powerful moments of encounter where you just lay it out there on the table. This is who I am, warts and awe, and the other person does the same thing, and neither one of us walks away, but we're able to sit there and just acknowledge each other what is good, what is not so good, but it's that power of encounter. I can say for myself, that's what's led to change. And when that isn't there, then I get defensive. Then I'm thinking about, well, the next time I see this person, you know, how can I deal with whatever that is that's between us? Maybe I'll suppress it. Maybe I'll imagine it isn't there. Maybe I'll try and overcompensate in some other part of our relationship. And the power of encounter is always going to be grounded in the one-on-one experience. Now, look what happens in this gospel scene. Jesus is talking to a crowd, he's teaching them, and then the scribes and the Pharisees come en masse. They come as one group. They come together, and they place this unnamed woman by herself in the middle of the circle. So she's condemned by the group, 
the nameless, faceless group, they bring her in and they've got the words of condemnation. They've got the law on their side. And it's not a bad law in their context. It's part of a whole law that's designed to keep the people of Israel closer to their God. But she's condemned by a crowd. And then Jesus famously, you know, writes on the ground, and he says what he says, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. Now, do they all hear that as a crowd, and then they pick up and they leave as a crowd? No. Go back and check me on this one. They come as a crowd, they leave one by one. One by one, they drop their stones and walk away, beginning with the eldest. I love that. Because just maybe the eldest are the most capable of self-reflection. It doesn't always work that way. There's plenty of selfish, shallow, older folks. But by and large, if you've paid attention to life, you at least have the capacity for more mature self-reflection. But in any event, they leave one by one. And what that means is it was the encounter. It was a direct encounter with Jesus. Not because he's using his godly superpowers, but because with incredible human authenticity. And of course, he is the Son of God. So with him, it's pure integrity. There's no show, there's no facade. But at the end of the day, it's still an interpersonal encounter for these scribes and Pharisees. And so each one is forced to reflect, if he's open to the invitation, to reflect on the fact that, okay, I'm not without sin. Well, again, there's no logic there. The law of Moses doesn't say, don't throw a stone unless you're without sin. So it's the power of encounter that is somehow transcending what is otherwise a perfectly fair legal proceeding. And that's what the power of encounter is all about. And so one by one, they come to the realization, you know, there's something here. And what Jesus is doing is he's not just creating a one-on-one -on -one encounter between himself and each individual Pharisee. He's leading to an encounter between that Pharisee and this unnamed woman in the middle of the circle. She's right there. You know, if you've ever seen this dramatized in a movie or something, you can't mistake it. They're not in a giant amphitheater. It's a pretty tight circle. Maybe there was eye contact, maybe not, but one by one, they're not just encountering Jesus, but they're encountering this life that they're about to snuff out. And something begins to change. And so one by one they leave. They came and condemned her as a crowd. And then Jesus doesn't say, I forgive you. Doesn't say God has forgiven you. Doesn't say your sins are forgiven. He simply says, are you still a condemned person? And of course, the answer for her is no. And Jesus has no interest in adding to that condemnation. And notice, it's not some naive, well, anything goes, you know, sin, no sin, it's all irrelevant. He knows and she knows there's something better in life than what maybe she's been able to experience. There's something better for you. I desire something better for you. And you probably desire something better for yourself. We don't know what happens in the rest of that story. 
but I've got to believe there was a change. I've got to believe there was a significant movement in both of their hearts, as well as the hearts of each and every one of the Pharisees who dropped their rock and walked away. And if you checked in on them 10 or 15 years later, I'll bet none of those people forgot that they were there at that moment, at that time. Every one of us can name moments like that when something just changed. Now, maybe that's tied to reconciliation, but maybe it's just tied to a powerful human experience. And the reason I'm stressing this so much is that that is the foundation of where the rubber hits the road in our faith. Those are the starting points. And if you never thought about, well, where was God in the midst of all that? That's a beautiful prayer. Just to simply go back to that moment. Maybe it was a powerful conversation. Maybe it was a moment where you were accepted when seemingly everybody else had cast you out. Could be in the family, could be on the job. Maybe a relationship with someone you loved you thought was just dead and gone forever and all of a sudden the other person refused to walk away. Whatever those moments are, just go back and ask yourself, all right, Lord, let me see where you were then. Because just like the people in that scene, they didn't know they were with the incarnate Son of God. They were on their side of the resurrection. This is just Jesus, but a pretty powerful scene. And that's the power of those encounters. So just a little spiritual exercise as we move into this fifth week of Lent. To ask yourself, maybe if you've had an encounter, a one-on-one encounter recently that maybe you haven't fully unpacked, to just go back and spend some time with it. Or maybe if you know there is an opportunity to have such an encounter that maybe you've been putting off or were afraid to walk into because this could be awkward, it could be embarrassing, it could be difficult, to maybe let all of us just take a little encouragement from this very famous gospel. We call it, John didn't give it this title, we call it the woman caught in adultery. I'd like to title it, the amazing power of encounter with God.